love the power of And we're back. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Leading Lady Club podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Lauren. And we are your hosts. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to jump right in because we have a packed show today. We do Um, indeed. If you listened to the show last week, you heard that we were very excited for the upcoming release of Taylor Swift's re-recorded version of her Fearless album, which came out after we recorded last week's episode. And then before, you know, by the time this week's episode came out, it was already out, but we had recorded before that. So as we promised, we have some thoughts we'd love to share with you about what we thought about it. (laughs) Whether or not you want them, we're going to tell you. True. Here are our hot takes. I did listen to, I listened to the songs that I knew and they sound, I thought they were, I thought they were great. Her laugh is different on Hey Steven. Okay. Instead of, (laughs) it's like, ha ha ha, you know. All right, I believe you. I did. I what did I listen to? I listened to Love Story and I listened to You Belong with Me. That's it. Those are the only ones that I knew. Well, I knew I knew but, of like I think White Horse and mm-hmm. Hey Steven. You probably know Fearless. I probably like do. Fifteen. Know oh yeah, I do know Fifteen. I think I know Fearless, but I didn't listen. Okay, to those. I just listened. That's to That's okay. The- My opinion is the whole re-record is amazing. I listened to it at midnight when it came out. Truly just living my best life living all by myself, life. just dancing around, whatever. And then I went to Shahana's, since we're both vaccinated, on yeah. Friday night after it came out. And we just, we just jammed, we just you know, jammed. We just had a good old, good old time. So very happy for Taylor. love Taylor Swift. And you know what the good news is? I jammed to her at, you know, age like 12, 13, 14, whatever it was when this album came out the first time. But now I can jam to her with my friends. And have yeah. a glass of wine. And have a glass of wine. You know, it really does make all the difference. It really does. You know, it really like, does. You're I, like all too well is going to hit so different when I can listen to it with a glass of wine. One of my favorite songs on the album, the first time around and now is The Way I Loved You. And basically it's like a song about like, oh yeah, this guy's so good and he's so nice to me and he's never late and he calls and he says he will, whatever. And then she's like, but I miss screaming and fighting and kissing in the rain like with this guy. Oh, I know that song. Yeah, right? It's so Mm -hmm. good. It's my favorite one. And um, I just remember being like 12 and being like, yeah, who wants that boring guy who's just nice to her? Yeah, (laughs) I want the guy who's going to scream at me in the rain. Yeah. like Yeah, I want that. And you're like, like, that's what a relationship is, obviously. And and now you're a little older and you're like, well, now I'm like, yes, you know, also actually this guy who calls when he says he will sounds pretty good to me now. And like, who doesn't love a little, a little drama, a little like romanticization? A little drama, but But you know what? A little drama. Just a little drama. And maybe not in the form of my relationship. Like we just, we're we're adults now. We just don't need that in our lives, you know? But yeah, I just, they were, they were good. I listened to them and I had a good time. I'm so glad. Oh, gosh, I just love her. We love Taylor. We love Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Come on the podcast. Oh my God, I would. I think I would 
die. I wouldn't. You would definitely die, but I would, would be very exa- I would have to run it. I was just about to say, you would have to take over because I would just, which also, one of our interviews that we did this week that I can't reveal who it was with oh. yet, you <laughs> I really also did. had to take over a couple I of had times. To, I could tell. I was like, oh, we're losing her. We're losing her. So I'm going to I was up. like, okay, Lauren, why don't you ask the next question while I sit here and cry for a minute? Okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> It's gonna take a moment to myself. Oh, that was good. It's very exciting though. Lots I can't of good wait. stuff. We're I know. Talking to lots of cool people, which is very exciting. Speaking of strong women, we have an amazing, amazingly strong woman as our guest today. Oh, y'all, this is one of our favorite interviews we've done so far. It is our friend Courtney Reed. She is amazing she was the original princess jasmine in aladdin on broadway is probably how you know her but she also made her broadway debut in mama mia and she was in in the heights which if you don't know is lin-manuel miranda's musical before hamilton Hamilton his, before his hamilton. tony award winner before there was hamilton um so she Can was you imagine that. just winning two tonys for such incredible shows just in one lifetime i simply cannot i simply, I simply cannot. cannot imagine winning one um <laughs> but true anyway so anyway. she's been in all of these amazing shows she is a grammy nominee for her work in aladdin on the original broadway cast recording and now she tours around the country with the broadway princess party which is a an amazing concert performance with the original Belle from Broadway, Susan Egan, the original Cinderella from Broadway, Laura Osnes, and the, of course, original Princess Jasmine from Aladdin, Courtney Reed. And they also, they have other guest princesses. Aisha Jackson has just joined uh, the crew, the princess posse, if you will. And uh, she played Anna in Frozen on Broadway. So anyway, they do these awesome performances and just lift up girl power and friendship and Disney magic. And it's wonderful. So we're so excited to have her with us here today. So without further ado, Courtney Reed. Hi, Courtney. Hey, ladies. Hello. Oh, my goodness. Best day ever so having excited. you here. First of all, we're so excited. Um, I tell, I've told all of our guests this, but only because it's true, not because it's just a thing I say. But when I first sat down to write out an idea of what a podcast that I wanted to make should be about, you were instantly one of the first names on my list when I was just jotting down who are amazing women that I know. I should just jot down a list of names. I mean, just right off the bat. Courtney Reed, of course. Oh my gosh, I'm hashtag honored. <laughs> was I like on your notes on your iPhone? Oh, like, I can notes, literally yes. show you. Yes, notes, you are currently iteration. there. Of course. Oh my gosh, um, so it's blessed. just so exciting to have you here. And oh, this is just the best day. It's so good. I feel like I get to see my friend and share you with the world as well. Or at least, Aww. you know, with our, our podcast listenership. Our little, maybe, our not quite, listeners. maybe not quite the world, but that's okay. <gasps> Um, of course. So we'll just jump right in to some questions Let's and uh, we're going to have some fun. I'm so excited. So you made your Broadway debut in Mamma Mia, correct? Correct. So correct. much fun. Yeah, and it was Mama basically, I know that's true. We're big, we're big lovers of Mamma Mia here. Um, what was that like? Because <laughs> it was basically right out of college for you. I mean, it, it could, couldn't really have happened faster. And you just it's kind of... Lame. 
yeah, the dream. And all of a sudden you're moving to New York and you're in this show. What was that like? And what was kind of that debut night like when you made your Broadway debut? Oh, I love telling this story because it's one of my favorite stories of all time. But I, so when I graduated college, I was like, I just want to make money being an actor. I don't even care what I do, you know? And I was like in a non-equity, a couple non-equity productions in the ensemble. And I was making like $200 a week. And I was like, wow, I've really made it. And so I auditioned (laughs) for Mamma Mia in Chicago and... Um, I thought it was for the national tour and I almost didn't go. And I thought, you know, they, they've asked me to audition once before. They didn't want me. So I just, in my mind, I just thought, well, they're never going to want me. Right. I didn't realize that I was just so dumb. They don't teach, teach you this, but I thought they were casting the entire show and I was like, well, they didn't like me. So I don't know why they're calling me back again. Right little did I know obviously they call you back again because they like you and so I it was like they were casting a role two tracks one track for Vegas and one Mm -hmm. track for Broadway and I unbeknownst to me I auditioned and I had a call back it was basically the easiest audition of my life (laughs) and my agent called me the next day and said do you want to be on Broadway and I freaked out and I never went to New York City I'm like nah I'm good hashtag pass (laughs) Um, but I was like this is crazy I never never been to New York, never seen a Broadway show. And here I am about to pack my bags to move to the Big Apple and make my Broadway debut. And I moved there. I must have packed my stuff. And I I remember just running around my house, jumping up and down, like screaming and calling like all of my family members and everyone that I ever knew. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me. And then I... I walked out of Times Square for the first day of rehearsal and I walk to the, you know, it's just so crazy because when you're walking through Times Square and then you see the billboard of like the show that you're going to be in, you're just like, everything is sunshine and butterflies and everything's so amazing. And I get there and Frankie Grande is like walking down the stairs as I'm going up for my first rehearsal and he was like, oh my gosh other new girl we're gonna be best friends and then we were literally like best friends from that moment on he was my first friend in new york city and um we joined the show together and we were bonded for life after that and it was just you know my broadway debut was surreal but i had a cast member tell me they were like just enjoy it because i was so nervous and i was freaking out and they were like, your debut only happens once, so enjoy it. And I remember yeah. going like, you know what? I prepared as much as I possibly could. I know I'm freaking out, but I'm going to do this, and I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm going to take it all in. And my aunt and uncle were out there, and it was oh. just like, it was really special. That's amazing. Awesome. Oh, I love that. It's like the really? longest story ever. No, no that's literally okay. not at all. Also, I just, that's so crazy that you had never even been to New York. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're like showing up in Times Square with a suitcase. It's just like... NYC. Yeah. <laughs> two bags, two bags, one. One Exactly. Yeah, literally. I love that. So you're in, so you did Mamma Mia. We love Mamma Mia. Had a good time there. And then talk about going from show to show. You went from Mamma Mia and then you went to In the Heights, which another amazing show. Just um, all casual, no big yeah, deal shows. Yeah. Like just, just really like, chill, small shows that no one shows. really knows about. Yeah. Never um, heard of it. <laughs> uh, so In the Heights, what was it like? going from Mamma Mia to In the Heights. And then what was it like working on, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda before Hamilton? Was it, what was that experience like? Oh, so incredible. I mean, when you're in Mamma Mia, okay, first of all, this is like a little inside. I mean, you probably all know this, but like the inside scoop and the real tea about Mamma Mia in the industry is that they're like, you know, everyone's kind of like, Mamma Mia is so campy and lame. You know, like the the, the general public loves right. it. Right. But uh-huh. it's like a campy 
lame show to like the actors you know so i was like so excited to be in this it was my broadway debut and i was so excited obviously i was like i think it's so cool you know yeah but then when i heard about in the heights now that was like a cool kid show that was a real cool kid it was like whoever was in in the heights was like so like awesome. it's like notch. basically was the hamilton before hamilton was hamilton you know what i mean yeah. it was, incredible it was yeah that's why i'm saying i'm like i knew what this was like it revolutionized musical theater people yeah. have never seen anything like that on a broadway stage and so uh when i was in mama mia people were like you have to be in the show in the heights like you're perfect for it and i was like this hip-hop like when i was in college i would like only took hip-hop like i only wanted to take (laughs) hip-hop it was my favorite thing like growing up i always took hip-hop and i was obsessed with it and my teachers were like you have to take you know tap and jazz and all of those things and i'm like but do i really i hate it (laughs) so i kept auditioning for that show as a dancer and and it was like, I must have auditioned maybe six times. Wow. And then I would get cut and then, you know, just never come back. And then I would just try again and try again. And one day after like a two show day on Saturday, um, they said, you have to be proficient in salsa. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know salsa. So I like went to a salsa club by myself and just waited for guys to like dance with me. And they <laughs> taught me and I was like, can you teach me how to do this? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And They're so like, yes, they of course. Me. And I was like, this is great. I mean, like, I don't know. I do feel more comfortable in salsa i had never like taken it before yeah so then i would keep auditioning and the national tour was going out and i i had i i auditioned and i was in the final the final uh i don't know how many girls it was at the end but it was like almost every single girl that was in that group was getting cast in the national tour and you know it's like everyone's talking they're like did you get it did you get it did you get it i did not get a call and i'm like so upset and so here i am at telsey and i'm auditioning for rent when they had didn't they had done that sort of like revivaly where they oh yeah i think i saw that yeah so they i was auditioning for like a mimi maureen cover and they were like hey the casting director came out and they were like hey listen um they really want you for this role i know you said something about you don't want to leave your current broadway show to do like an offstage cover but um here's the thing you're actually their favorite for in the heights so um and i'm like wait what excuse me I was so confused. I was like, what do you mean favorite? You mean least favorite? Because they keep, like, they're not casting me. They never cast me. They're like, yeah, you're their favorite for In the Heights. So um, you're going to have an audition for Carla in, like, a month. And I'm like, what? My gosh. Audition to play Carla, Understudy, Nina, and Vanessa. And so they had been, like, saving me, I guess. I don't know how for, like, the Broadway show. And I'm just like, I was confused. I was like, I thought that I was going to be a dancer. I'm not a dancer. Now I'm a principal, and I get cast. And Lin-Manuel Miranda. And, uh, you know, before he was Lynn Manuel, right? Miranda, yeah, was in the audition room, and I remember oh my I gosh. looked back to like wave, and he had like given me a thumbs up, and I was like, "This is so cool." You're like, "I'm in, <laughs> I'm in." But that was that was such a special show, and yeah, I man. I just was so honored to be a part of it. I just felt so cool. I was like, yeah. I don't know how I got in this show, but like, I feel extremely cool right now. <laughs> you're amazing. Didn't you do it with Corbin Blue also? <laughs> I sure did. I, I didn't plan. I just want to say I didn't plan to ask this question, but then I just remembered that fact that I thought that I knew to be true, and I just had to like <sighs> throw it out there. I met Corbin Blue one time at a photo shoot I helped out with. Oh, you, yeah. you know this I story, do remember Lauren. that. Yes, yes, yes. And I, you had told me before, Courtney, that you did in the heights of him, but I just, you know, when you're in the room with like <laughs> Corbin Blue. Corbin Blue. <laughs> 
things just leave your head. And of course I would, I always am, you know, professional and I'm, I'm not going to be like, Oh my God, you're, you know, so I was just, I was chill. I was chill girl, but he was so nice. It was a It was the kiss me Kate cast. So it was a room full of people. It was the entire cast. Some of the creative team was there. It was just very chaotic, a lot going on. And, um, I was assisting Jenny Henderson, the photographer, and there were three of us that were kind of just there to help. And, it was totally understandable that no one really talked to us because there was just a lot going on and we were kind of off to the side. Corbin Blue came up to each of the three of us like random assistant girls after, you know, they broke everyone for the day. And he came up to each of us and I, I mean, this was pre-COVID, like shook our hand, was like, hey, nice to meet you. Like, what was your name? And, you know, he just walks to me, he goes, he goes, hi, I'm Corbin. And it took everything in me not to go. I know. <laughs> well, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> I literally watched you on my TV when I was, I don't know, nine. I, I know who you are. Um, but I completely is. forgot in the moment that you knew him, or I might have mentioned that at least, like a normal human being, like, hey, we have a mutual friend. But instead, it was all I could do, just be like, oh, yeah, I'm Caitlin. Like nice, to, nice to meet you. <laughs> OK, bye. Uh, those moments are so hard. He's like the sweetest person. Yeah he seems like it and he is the most genuine he will talk right up to you and just look you straight in the eye yeah. dead in the eye and he and he did that when he first joined our company you know that's that's really tough to come yeah. in and be the lead and uh you know you're kind of like this disney star and right and, you know so many people came to see the show just because he was in it but he made a point to like know everybody's name and shake everybody's hand and talk to everybody. He's just a real genuine dude. Like, yeah, you don't find that many people that go above and beyond like Corbin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's just he's the real deal. Yeah, really it is. seemed like I mean, you can tell when when you're basically and I, I'm not saying this in a demeaning way, but just when you're basically the smallest person in the room, the smallest, least important person in a room full of somewhat important people. And he makes a point to come up to you and say hi and get your name. You can I mean, it was a very quick moment, but I was like, he's a good dude. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, so anyway, that was a quick, a quick side note. But okay, In the Heights, just so amazing. Had to have been such a dream come true. I wish I had lived in New York at the time, could have seen you crush that. But fast forward a little bit. Of course, you've done many other shows and have had such a full career. But of course, the kind of the big one. We got to talk about Aladdin. Duh, of course. So what was that audition process like? Was it, you know, did you get called in? Was it something like in the Heights where you audition, audition, auditioned? Or, or kind of what was that like? Talk us through that process to becoming Princess Jasmine. Oh my gosh, hilarious. <laughs> um, this was this was such a unique process because it started as a reading, like a 29-hour reading That's right. with a very yeah. intimate um, crew was the Disney crew and mm -hmm. they just brought in a bunch of people that they knew so they had they had pulled Adam Jacobs off of the national tour of Lion King where he was playing Simba right. they pulled him off of that they were like great you're gonna take off and play Aladdin and he's like okay great cool okay. <laughs> and they had Jonathan Freeman obviously who was the voice mm -hmm. of Jafar uh, the original voice of Jafar in, in the animated film and they had brought him in and then just pulled a bunch of people from the Disney family that they knew and they didn't have anybody that was correct for Jasmine I guess um, and so they called in five girls and I happened to be one of the five girls and so I booked it and it, yes. I remember feeling like I didn't even know this was happening and right. because no one knew it was happening and you know right. you don't do a reading a 29 hour reading for producers for Disney because they're already the producers so right. we did the reading and it was such a success they fast-tracked it to the first out-of-town tryout in Seattle and 
they had bumped like Oklahoma or something at the Fifth Avenue. They bumped. They were like, "Bye, um, sorry, we're later. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry about it." And sorry about it. And then, but I re-auditioned for Casey Nicola because he wasn't involved in the twenty-nine hour reading. Mm-hmm. I auditioned for him when he signed on as the director, and then I never auditioned again. And so, wow, really, it was too. It's so funny because I actually did another podcast where I talked about this with Joe Carroll, and he was like, and I was like, you know, it was yeah. actually one of the two easiest auditions ever because I just auditioned twice, and that was it. He was like, no, Courtney, you had been auditioning for years. Yeah, every time you did the Outer Town, every time you were in rehearsal, you were auditioning. So, like, of honestly, course. it's probably the longest audition of your life. And I was like, yeah. actually. True. Like, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, from the time the reading started in 2010, and then that was, it was four years until we opened on Broadway. So, you know, wow. I could have been replaced at any point. And I'm yeah. so glad that, um, I always say this, that Nicole Scherzinger didn't come in and wasn't like, I just want to do this part. <laughs> I'm dead. Honestly, you could be her doppelganger. I yeah. like that. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Right. No, I, I mean, <laughs> she would be a pretty stunning Jasmine. I honestly she approve would. that message. I really do. <laughs> I approve she it also. Crazy awesome voice, and she's she stunning. does. She does. Yeah, she yeah, was in Cats. Yeah. she was. She's done that, but you know what? The the princess jasmine who was meant to be was exactly who became princess jasmine um and you know i will say also talk about longest audition of your life every rehearsal every out of town all of that that's just a testament to what a hard worker you are what an amazing performer you are and how i'm sure you just showed up every day on time prepared ready to go and they saw that they had the right person for the job already so that's just a testament to how perfect of a princess jasmine when you are and what a what a good person you are to have in a room I'm sure I know <laughs> crying crying but I know I know so we you. you know it's true it's true um but I know from knowing you that Princess Jasmine was the princess you grew up with she was kind of your favorite princess growing up and you felt like that was your girl you know so just tell us a little indulge us a little about what I mean this had to have been just kind of the ultimate fairy tale dream come true experience and we know you have to have had the best time because you've then gone on to play princess jasmine again and on the west end and you've come back to broadway you've done it on tour so this had to have just been the dream of all dream roles right it is it really is and i i think it was so hard to process when I was doing it. And it still is now because, you know, what I I guess I, didn't, I never realized it's like even when you're not playing it, you still are associated with mm-hmm. this this person, this icon. And yeah. and I just feel so honored because I she had a huge impact on my life. And I think that, you know, so much of your your um, upbringing has to do with like, you know, what you're surrounded with as a kid. And mm-hmm. it's not just like, you know, of course, like my parents raised me right and all that stuff, but I must have watched that film, I mean, uh, thousands of times. And you don't realize as a kid the impact that it has on you, but, you know, she's this really strong female character. She's a, you know, a leading lady. Of oh, sorts. And, and there kind you go. Of paved the way for a lot of the other ethnic princesses to follow her. Yeah. And very strong very, very strong princesses and female characters that are still now extremely present in the now animated films of 2020, 2021, like all of these things. And so it, looking back at it, I just, I I still pinch myself and I just think like, I don't know how I got to do that and how I got picked to do, to, to portray this character, but 
if I were to pick any Broadway show, like any Broadway show, if if when I'm, you know, if I didn't know what I was going to be, you know, when I grew up, if I didn't know, right, I would have said like, and they said, if you could pick any Broadway show, it would be Aladdin. Because it just Aww. like, I don't know. It just, yeah. it's just a fairy tale dream come true. And um, people were like, well, what about Hamilton? I'm like, well, you know, Hamilton, I didn't know anything about it. You know, it's like right. Jasmine had a huge impact on me from my childhood. So yeah. that to me was the end all be all. And it was like. I just still can't believe I did it. Like, how did I do that? You did that. (laughs) Oh, I got like chills. You did that for a good long time too. They were just like, we love you and we're going to keep bringing you back. I know. I'm like, I love you too. You're like, yes, I will keep coming back. I will keep seeing Courtney Reed in Play Princess Jasmine in Aladdin until I am 80 years old if they will if they will let me keep coming back to watch and you. I'll be 120 <laughs> it's perfect we'll still be there we'll be like she's still the best one for the role sorry everyone like sorry, sorry. ladies you can just all you know I'm I don't know what to tell you <laughs> oh my goodness I love, I love it. it so continuing to move through your entire <laughs> just through your career just through your career after Aladdin you moved and did something that was a little different than what you've done before in Cambodian rock band which was you know it's a play with music it's very kind of a different vibes and stuff you've been in before what was it like navigating that versus like navigating the musicals that you had been in kind of like taking on a different mindset a heavier topic was it kind of a culture shock situation or did you find it a little easier how was that for you yeah well doing a play even though it was you know i think some people might have come to see the show and they were like, oh, it's like a musical. I'm like, well, no, it's definitely (laughs) not. It's definitely a play with music and there's a big difference between musicals and plays. And so, you know, this was probably the most intimate professional show that I had done since Mm -hmm. the beginning of my uh, Broadway career. And so it, it did take some, uh, some practice and relearning how to, perform in a play it's like you know when you're doing when you're self-taping for a a comedy versus a drama versus Mm multi-cam versus single cam it's all different the style is is all different and plays and musicals are different but but what's the same is that you're still giving a truthful and honest performance and for Mm -hmm. me I was just so honored to be and it's like I keep saying like hashtag honored but I was (laughs) so I felt so fortunate to be a part of a show about a a southeast asian girl because I had never played anything close to my actual ethnicity and so mm-hmm. that was really close to home for me and I was so excited for my parents to come see the show and being you know Vietnamese Thai American um I you know singing in Cambodian is not the same obviously as singing right. in Thai and Vietnamese but some of the sounds are similar because it's still in Southeast Asia and so it was so crazy to learn a new language. I mean, I didn't learn the language, but like I sang in the language. So yeah. Learn how to sing the, the, the phonetically through these songs. And right. um, a lot, I did tons of, tons of research about the Cambodian genocide and, um, you know, the, the Western 70s, Western rock bands during that time. And, and that was just, you know, being immersed in that, I, I think, I just became a more well-rounded human after yeah. doing that play, you know? So, yeah. and you know, we have an original cast recording to, um, to show for it, which is really cool too. I'm like, that's cool. I didn't know off Broadway did that. You know? <laughs> so, um, I got to do another sort of OBC. Oh, well, it's not 
O O O B C O B C yeah yeah right right sure um so yeah that it it was really special and um and then you know to be a part of it when COVID happened and yeah and not know that our final show was our final show and it happened to be on an Asian American night where most of the audience was Asian American and crazy stories that I had purchased a flight for my parents to uh, for Christmas to go to Spain and uh, Morocco and they were flying out of New York because I was like okay well how am I going to buy them a flight and they're flying out of like where right. I don't know where they're going to be but I know for sure they're going to be in New York because they're going to come see Cambodian rock band and so I said well why don't you just stay one extra day they'd flown back this was like right in the beginning of COVID when people were like oh my gosh and then Spain is like everyone's oh sick there and I'm like mom and dad like, are you using hand sanitizer what's going on <laughs> they come back and they're not sick it's great I said stay one extra night come and stay for the Asian night you're going to love it and it was like a completely lit show and my parents were out there and then they were like by the way everything's closed oh what and And you're like like, oh actually kind of perfect that they were there for it and And they got um, to see it yeah yeah so Cambodian rock band you mentioned is about the Cambodian genocide which like I personally don't know too much about I it's not something that I learned in school and I've just not learned too much about but you know shows like this and other shows that are coming up that kind of highlight those things that you don't learn about in history class um what do you do you have any kind of hopes or just any thoughts about how that can kind of help highlight um asian american experiences in general especially in light of we talked about this on a podcast earlier just the increased violence in and against the aapi community especially like in and around coronavirus um i guess do you think that shows like this are going to help like do you think that there will be that it's a good way to kind of highlight those experiences so people can be like hey people are people and they have their stories and they're important too and they don't deserve any of the things that are happening to them yeah oh absolutely and thank you for bringing it up because even at the time i think we uh this show had and this is kind of crazy but this show had uh was the most produced play in the United States in 2019. So it had a very unique journey in the sense that it had been running, I wasn't a part of it, but it had been running in, in, um, in various regional houses throughout the year before they brought it to New York, before it had its sort of residency in New York. And so it kind of had a buzz and Mm -hmm. people knew about it. But when when it debuted in New York, I think a lot of people that came to see the show and even um, on student matinees, these kids were just so blown away by this story and they felt mm-hmm. like, you know, this was sort of either breezed over in our history um, classes mm-hmm. or just really not talked about at all. And I know I didn't know anything about the Cambodian genocide. So I was so grateful to have had this experience so that I could learn about it. And mm-hmm. when people come see the show, they do. And it brings a lot of awareness to what happened then. And we we should know these things. It's not, it's like... I, I don't know why we don't know about it. And yeah, it does bring awareness. And I think it does, you know, I think it was tough too for us because we felt a little bit like, oh, so this, you know, this China virus comes in and all of a right. sudden our show that has is sold out and has a wait list around the block is now has a bunch of empty seats. And yeah. I don't want to jump to conclusions and just say that, you know, I don't, I think of the best in people and I don't think that they are just not coming to Cambodian rock band because they think like the cast has COVID, you know, it's right. like, I can't imagine people being that ignorant, but you know, 
I we're we are finding out that people are, yeah. and and it's this ignorance that really is is what um, is the downfall of of why these current events are happening and it's based on information that people are being given and they don't know better but if you bring a show like this to new york city and you have kids come and see it and you have adults that didn't know about it come and see it it is bringing awareness and so i really hope as far as for me as an asian american you know, as being a very underrepresented uh, in our industry, very, very underrepresented on television and on stage, I hope that it it does make a difference and shows like this yeah. make a difference. And I mean, one can only hope, you know, I, yeah. right. we can't predict the future, but yeah, fingers crossed on that for sure. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You for that up. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, I've loved um, seeing your, your posts and things uh, recently really speaking out against the violence just have really been inspiring. And I just have loved kind of what you've had to say about them, I think has been really powerful. So yeah, and people connect, people connect to things to art, connect to things through art so much that if we're going to try and teach people in any way, I feel like this is probably going to be the best way to do it. Just be like, yeah, lure them in with like a fun story and then make it have a message. And so then they can maybe take something away from it. Art will save us all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, what, what can we do really? You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of craziness happening right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that a global pandemic has helped anything, but what can we do? We can lead by example and you can bring awareness and, and hope that people will pick up what you're putting down. You know what I'm saying? And and so (laughs) I, I just hope I, 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 I do have, I, I keep saying hope, but I do have a lot of hope for us. Yeah. And I, I, ha- I haven't lost that hope in us. Yeah. And I think that we are, um, we have a long way to go, but I, I, mm-hmm. I think we'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I feel hopeful knowing that you are uh, in the world and that you have a platform that people will look to yes. for inspiration and for example. So that gives me hope for sure. But changing gears oh. a little bit. I know. Just the love, the love fest on this episode. <laughs> love everyone's just, we love a love fest. We're everyone's going to just have to deal with our, our gushing. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but speaking of that a little bit, our, our love fest, you and I know each other. We met. Ooh, we got a... We gotta throw it back a little bit Throw it on back. One. We're we're getting old. What can I say? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but we met when I was in college because uh, I came on board to your company Gagged Chokers that you created, literally started a business out of your dressing room, you know, just out of nothing, created your own business. And I came on board to intern and sort of assist and help out, and that's how we met. So will you tell us a little bit about how Gagged Chokers came to be and sort of what it means? to you to be a female business owner it's just so awesome oh my gosh thank you that actually makes me feel like oh no i really need to start like updating the website <laughs> because it's like it's we've had a hiatus she's covid we've had a pandemic <laughs> yeah it's been we needed to take a little break but we'll come back we'll come back she'll come back she'll <laughs> she's come still back. kicking yeah, yeah. She, you know what it, it really i think the greatest inventions happen out of necessity right and for me it's wasn't an invention by any means but i you know the choker trend had been coming back and i was like i gotta get a cute choker and i couldn't find anything i literally 
literally was like, today is my day. I mean, like, what a life. I'm like, today is my day that I'm going to go out and find some cute chokers. And, and then I couldn't find anything. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll just make some. Like, I'm super crafty. So I made them and I was wearing them and people would stop me on the streets and people that were following me were like, where did you get that? How did you get? I'm like, oh, I just made it. And then, you know, it, it started because I had a group of girlfriends who... Um, were, you know, working on Aladdin with me and and then, you know, Abby DePhillips, a, another friend of mine, and they were like, we'll help you. Like, just sell them. Let's just do it. We'll make yeah. collections and we'll base it all off of Kylie lip kits. We'll name them. We'll do all the oh same. And, you know, the success of it was really through a lot of that. And what I realized after coming out with these collections and selling and it just kind of blew up, but I realized it brought a lot of people together in a way that like uplifted other females and it created this girl hashtag girl gang of sorts. And it's everything that I ever wanted because that's all I want with um, a product or um, in life is that empowered women empower women. Right. And so it's (laughs) like, we are, we're a team. We're a, we're a girl gang. We're, you know, leading ladies where we all want to lift each other up. We don't want to bring each other down. And so I think that that, that's what it kind of did. You know, the girls would compare chokers and they would talk about it and they would say, Oh, you look beautiful on this. Oh, you look great. And, um, and that I think was my, the most rewarding thing that came from that company and also meeting Caitlin. Oh, stop. Oh, my gosh. When she was intern Caitlin, lest we ever forget. Intern Caitlin. Intern Caitlin. No longer an intern anymore. I see for life. Um, Yes, I have to. (laughs) Speaking of gush fest, I'm going to have to pause and gush for a minute because, well, first of all, exactly what you said. I especially back in the beginning as an intern and kind of learning the company and whatnot. And, and we did a lot of engaging with the customers and with the fans. And that's what all of them would say was that you and gag chokers gave them confidence. You made them, you know, you gave them a product that made them feel beautiful, that made them feel empowered. And I just was so proud and still am so proud to be a very small part of that. But I'm just so thankful that the gag chokers brought us together and, and shout out to Laura Osnes for introducing us so that I could, I know that's the next, we have to get her on the pod as well. Um, Well, and that's especially good because I know as, a Disney princess. A lot of your fans are like younger girls who yeah. need that kind of space to, because we don't get it much of anywhere else, need that space to be like confident in themselves, even in their, you know, maybe not most confident moments. And I definitely think, I mean, just from seeing you guys on Instagram and seeing like all the yeah. other stuff that you did outside of it, it just, you really created that really positive space that I think was really important for a lot of girls. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Queen. For sure. <laughs> I think, I mean, it is one thing that really does distress me is thinking about these young, impressionable ladies that are on their social media and they feel like they need to look perfect all the time and Mm -hmm. have these filters. And it's, you know, this, this new sort of image of, you know, having these huge fake lips and these, you know, fake, I, you know, I don't even need to say it out loud, whatever it is that (laughs) everything fake, everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh my goodness. Why can't we get back to just natural beauty and yeah. what I'm like as I'm like when a face full of makeup but like what I mean <laughs> no. by that is like yeah it, um owning who you are and being happy with what yeah. you have and what you were given and I just think like oh my goodness my parents gave me these jeans I don't mm-hmm. want to I I don't want to change anything about that that's came from these people who are my heroes like mm-hmm. I just I I I would like to actually start an organization with for for young for young girls and and the effect that 
you know social bullying and social media and all that kind of stuff has on them and and um not to bring it down but you know those the suicide no. rates are for young females that is up really mm-hmm. high and it's it's so sad to me and and i'm just so grateful i didn't like grow up in that time with yeah. social media i don't think i would have been able to deal you know mm-hmm. you got all these crazy hormones going on and you don't know who yeah. you are yet i mean yeah my goodness i don't blame them for going yeah. through it Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, shout out to gag chokers. Thank goodness. It brought us together. It certainly changed my life in many ways, introduced me to some of the most inspiring women in my life. Talk about leading ladies. So very thankful for that. And of course, couldn't let you get away without talking about gag chokers. But another, (laughs) speaking of very briefly, Laura Austinus, another uh, company or show we have to talk about before we let you go is the Broadway princess party. One of the most, another just ingenious, amazing, inspiring, empowering girl gang situations that anyone has ever thought of. Just genius. Um, Will you tell us a little bit about that and kind of how you got involved with it and how it has just grown to what it is today? Okay, so it Broadway Princess Party was started by um, the the OG concept was Benjamin Rahala and Laura Osnes. They thought, okay, what would be better for a concert at Fifty Four Below than like a bunch of girls singing your favorite Disney classics yeah. and like kind of in a fun, campy way, and you know, Disney bounding of sorts, like wearing the you know, yeah, a, a shout out to the outfits that you're that you would be wearing as as these iconic characters, and and it quickly became Fifty Four Below's fastest selling show, which is Crazy. so insane, and yeah. we have to keep going back there, and we have such a fun night, and. I remember even the beginning it, in the beginning when we would bring uh, all of these, you know, bunch of leading ladies yeah. together, uh, powerhouses in the industry, and we'd all be in the same room and we would never normally be in the same room together. Yeah. And everyone was so complimentary of each other. And it was it was not this sort of idea that you think everyone's competing for these roles. It's it's more like, hey, I hope you get it. Hey, I hope you get it. You know, like made the best yeah. person get the role and we're here and we're supporting each other and 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 we're all so different but we're all so similar in so many ways and so that's really how it started and it just kind of blew up and then Susan Egan came on board and she is like the crazy business mind of it and has you know has you know had the show has grown so much since its inception yeah that it's beyond anything i could have possibly imagined but if you don't know broadway princess party it's essentially like the disney princesses as like it's like destiny's child meets <laughs> disney princess yes meets like spice girls because now we have a fourth princess and so it's like now we're complete we are fully spice girls and yes. it, it just it's it's correct it's right and it's a bunch of your og disney princesses singing your favorite disney classics and um a bunch of females on stage sort of empowering other females i guess this is kind of like the theme of the podcast this right is. now like, yeah anyways, and then you have your fairy god fairy benjamin rahala on the piano brings us all together yeah so it's i i mean i cry almost every time i do the concert <laughs> like, same I cry watching you guys do the concert every time. Ridiculous. I'm like, how does this happen every time? Um, But yeah, I'm just 
hashtag honored and grateful to be a part of it. <laughs> hashtag like, oh my blessed. God, my life is just oh like my God. God. It's so, it's so, it's always so good. Show. It is, mm-hmm. and it's just you know I can still remember when you all kind of started doing the OGs on tour and and going all around, sitting at the back of the house in San Francisco on oh. that one of those kind of first shows, just thinking this is the greatest thing I have ever. It's just, you just leave feeling all warm and fuzzy inside. And and then you end the night hearing Susan Egan, the original God. Belle from Beauty and the Beast, uh, singing this Beauty and the Beast medley. And I'm just in the back of just, <laughs> just um, t- endless and, tears. <laughs> it's Same. just amazing. And you all, again, just similar to Gag Chokers, you make young people and honestly, people of all ages just feel so happy and seen and joyful. And it's all just about celebrating who you are. And ugh, it's just, it's the most magical night. So anyone listening, if you don't know about Broadway Princess Party, go follow them on Instagram, go to their website, check them out. If you haven't seen a show, obviously shows are not much of a thing right now, but um, I'm <laughs> but sure I'm sure there will be many to come. So just make sure you're following them for when, uh, when that happens and when shows start back up, because you definitely do not want to miss the Broadway Princess Party. <laughs> oh, nice. Thank good, you. Do you like good, that? Good, I was like, good. that was a little really plug. Good sound bite right yeah. there. <laughs> you can put always, that on the... always trying to hype up our guests. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, there you go. You've run the gamut of things. You know, you start from start from the beginning. You're in big big with Aladdin. You're doing a, a different shows now, like Cambodian rock bands. So we have I, our show is geared towards women and predominantly younger women who are like maybe kind of sh- trying to start their own careers. So. If anyone who's listening that has, you know, big Broadway dreams, like we all have probably had at one point, what is some, what is like some of the best advice that you could give to them to be like, here's just something you need to keep in mind through the whole thing. And it's going to, it's going to be a key for you to follow that dream. What's the best advice that you can give? I always give this one and I feel like it's super cliche because I always give it, but I, I wholeheartedly believe that if you are a kind person good things will happen to you. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean just in your life. It means in your career as well. It's like, I meaning like, I want you to be a kind person in your life. And with that, good things will happen to you and the things that you want in your career because people want to work with people. Yes. I mean, you have to be also professional and you have to be talented as well. But listen, everyone's talented when you get to a certain level. Like everyone's basically like kind of the same. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, it there's just little differences. It's like people yeah. look different and they have different vocal qualities and they act differently. Some people are funnier, some people are better at drama, but you want to make yourself as uh, marketable as possible and that means controlling the things that you can control because you can't control what you look like you can't control right. what the timbre of your voice sounds like but what you can control is how good of a human you are mm-hmm. and if you are a good human people will know and they will praise you for it and they will talk about it and they will want to work with you and they will want to have a cup of coffee with you and they'll want to have you in those long hours for tech when you're just like and everyone's losing it and you're that sort of steadfast person that's the rock of the company that is not gonna you know lose it and when you do lose it and that's okay people will realize that you're like well she doesn't lose it very often so like she's okay she's fine you know what i mean like she needed to to get it out and now she's good to go yeah it's tech week 
Tobias um, is totally gangster. Yeah, it, it totally gangster. Wow. Yes. So many quotable 100%. moments in this 100%. podcast. <laughs> um, and so to wrap it up, as we are slowly but surely digging our way out of this pandemic, what is what do you what do you want to do next? Like, what is what is the next couple of months, however long? What does that look like for you in terms of what you want to do, or just kind of the trajectory that you see yourself heading on for the next little bit? Well, you know, as far as career stuff goes, I I have a couple things that are that are in the works. So yes. I feel like my actual life plan is to like vacation before yes. <laughs> all Smart. this yes. happening you know it's like I know I'm gonna blink and these moments of the, of the pandemic and the the time that we've had which you know I think is just a roller coaster of events but it's like I think we thought oh it's gonna be a couple weeks oh, a couple months now like a year later we're like right. okay now we're over this time off yeah um, it, right but it's like now that I know that things are gonna be picking up again I want to take time and be with my family. I want to, you know, spend time with my boyfriend. I want to spend time with my nieces. I want to spend time. Um, I need to visit my grandmother. I need to, you know, do the things that like you you need for your soul. And I say this mm -hmm. like need because I, I don't mean like, oh, I need to do this and I really don't want to do it. It's like, no, I really want to because it fills my soul with joy and happiness and, and it will make me feel more whole once I start back in the world again. Yes, for sure. And, and, you know, and just taking in the small things, those moments that you usually, when things kick up, don't you don't have time for. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm trying to cherish those moments. I'm like savoring the chocolate bar. You know what I mean? I'm like savoring it all. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. Until, until we're back, we're back again. Back again. I Much love like the Backstreet Boys. Oh, Backstreet's back. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> she knows my soul. Um, okay, our last couple of questions are what we like to call the rapid-ish fire. A little bit quicker, maybe a little bit lighter questions. So we always throw in a few fun ones here. I feel like you're, you'll be really good at this section. Oh, um, okay, so starting off, I don't know, maybe this isn't quite that quick, but this is obviously the Leading Lady Club podcast. So what does being a leading lady mean to you? It can be, you know, in your career or in your life, but what does that sort of mean to you? Leading lady, I mean, I've talked about this a little bit in the, on the podcast, but it's like kind of leading by example. That's mm -hmm. the best way that you can teach somebody something, right? And it's like, yeah. I'm saying this as if like, I know everything and I don't know everything and I'm constantly learning. But what I do know and what I do feel like I can, uh, uh, you know, inspire among others. If if that, it's just so weird to say that. That's like kind of gross and like icky to say. You but can absolutely I, say that. Yes. Thank you. But a leading lady leads by example, and she is a leader of sorts. And you know, I actually it's so funny. I'm like talking about leading ladies, but one thing that I did learn from Lin Manuel Miranda was how to be a leader of a company. And so yeah. when I learned that from him, I learned that when I was a leading lady in my show, I needed to lead my company. And that means you show up, you just, that that's all it really means. It's like you lead by example, you show up on time, you give 100% in your show, you give 100% at the stage door, you give 100% um, in your life. And when you're talking about the show and you don't, when somebody comes up to you, uh, at, you know, on Ninth Avenue and it's like, how's the show? You don't go, oh, it is what it is. You know, it's yeah. you are a leading lady. So lead by example and lead with your heart. 
I love that. That's very good. And so knowing that that's sort of your definition of a leading lady, who are some of the leading ladies in your life that inspire you? In my life, oh my mom, oh my yeah. gosh, I have Always so the first many answer strong. And it it's makes what me everyone so says, and I like love it. It's <laughs> it's my favorite answer. <laughs> it's really it. Honestly, like I can't even talk about my mom without bawling. She Same. is like the most inspirational person of life, and of course, everyone thinks that about their mom. But um, I I just think so highly of her, and and I want to be just like her, and and I. Just I'm so hashtag grateful that she birthed me. Like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, thank you mom. for thank you for making me. And you know, my dad had something to do with it as well, obviously. But yes, I um, suppose. But, you know, <laughs> my mom and I have a lot of strong female characters in my life, and my sister and um, my aunts and my my grandmas were so strong. And my uh, you know my my gra- one of my grandmas is still living, and so it's like, you know, I I say like one in past tense and one in present tense, but um, yeah, just I can't, but I you know, we we some we don't choose who our family is, right? Right. But um, sometimes you get really blessed with having people that did teach me by example, and I got to learn from them. So I just feel I'm happy about that. <laughs> I love that. That was a great answer, too. Um, All right. Here's my favorite question to ask. Are you ready? Oh, yes. If you could invite three people to a dinner party, living or dead, who would you invite? Oh, this is always the Isn't hardest part. I know. It's <laughs> so ever. hard. It's so hard, but it's so fun to think about. And I always kind of love to see people f- like stress out and be like, oh, God. Uh. <laughs> what are, who are three people I know? Right? Okay, you know what? I'm not even gonna like totally think about it. I'm just gonna yeah, think about the top three people. Yeah, that come um, to your mind. That come to my mind. Okay, um, I would have. I'd bring my grandma back because mm. I just want to have more time. I want more time yeah. with her. Yeah, um, I love I'd bring that. my grandma. I would bring. Um, this sounds really terrible. I want. I want to bring bring all my grandparents back. That would be so terrible if I thought about somebody <laughs> else. I want to bring all my three grandparents back. That's I what that. I want. Yeah. Like, I, they're so inspirational in my life. And I, I just want to have more time with yeah. them. That's oh crazy. I've never had that answer before. I was just saying, no one's ever made me almost cry on the dinner <laughs> party question before. Um, that was really, that was really good. Wow. Okay. Ask them questions. I want to answer. I want to record it all. Like, oh, why did yeah. I do that when I was a kid? It's just, yeah. ugh. Yeah, so I never think about it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Best dinner party ever. Um, <laughs> I love that. Imagine? That would be so crazy. Be like, this what was so grandma cool. like? Like, yeah. what, did, what was your first date like? I want to oh, know. Just ask all the questions. Okay. Best answer ever. Um, <laughs> obviously, you're known for playing Princess Jasmine, but if you could play any other Disney princess, who would you choose? Oh, that's hard. I know. <laughs> um, and you get to it, kind of, you get to do so many different princesses, at least one song here and there for, for Broadway Princess I Party, do. but. I hmm. think it would be Pocahontas. Yeah. Because then I get to sing Colors of the Wind, which is like <sighs> one of my favorite songs of all time. Yes. And because she's just, she's so, I want to say a word, bad, and then bleep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Really You're is. right. She's just so cool. And everything that she stands for is just everything I believe in. And I mean, all you have to do is listen to Colors of the Wind, the lyrics of Colors of the Wind. And you're like, <laughs> even though we know Ellen Macon wrote the music, but like, I'm kind of like, but didn't you, Pocahontas, write that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Pocahontas herself wrote Colors she, of the Wind. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> she did. I, believe I love that. Your close personal friend, Ellen Macon, of course. Um, and <laughs> yeah. then also you're my bestie, Ellen. You're my bestie, Allie. Um, who like anyway we won't even get into that because i'll just i won't be able to um but i will say colors of the wind is my all-time favorite song to hear you sing at broadway princess party just Aww. every time it's my favorite so not that you don't sound wonderful in all of them but i think that was a great answer because i agree i would also love to see that <laughs> last very last thing we have a little bit we do i just put a link in the chat oh. every episode we have a little bit where we do the buzzfeed quiz of the week because we're some just good old millennials over here and millennial we, millennials. we love a good buzzfeed quiz so obviously we had to find a princess one for you so we're gonna find out once and for all if jasmine is part of your personality your disney princess personality lauren would you like to read the name of the quiz for everyone at yes. home this quiz is called everyone's personality is a 50 50 split of two disney princesses which two are you oh my gosh so you have two sense. chances to get jasmine <laughs> yeah there we go no pressure though it's no all pressure. good it's if you don't get jasmine we still know that you're her so oh first my gosh, one i love this which color scheme fits you best we've got aqua and gold navy and seafoam green silver and dark green red and azure blue Mm. Lilac and yellow and fuchsia and ivory. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, I would say aqua and gold right now. Mm -hmm. Good choice, good choice. Okay, what's your favorite animal? A bird, a deer, a bear, a swan, a dolphin, or a tiger? I mean tiger, obviously. Of course. Obviously. Of course. I mean, this is, it's just the coolest animal on the page. Yes. So true. A You're swan. not wrong. That's a weird choice, but yes, <laughs> yeah. a tiger definitely. It's very random, but okay. Um, all right, which place would you most want to go? And Lauren, you can just kind of describe <laughs> the places that we're seeing. We always pick the ones I with know. pictures. Listen, it's fine. It, it has one picture. It's fine. It's fine. So we've got a glacier situation there's ice yeah. in yeah. mountains a woodsy area yeah. in the fall with very folklore <laughs> very folklore um uh steps leading down to a lake of some kind some a sort body of, of water some sort of beach uh a water a nice serene waterfall and a field of flowers okay Milwaukee. definitely beach ah beach all beach, the way that one I percent beach dead. dead last one which item would we pick either a little succulent, a smoothie, a pair of yellow Doc Martens, very specific, <laughs> a hot air balloon, a pen, or a diamond ring? I know. A I'm like, diamond I'm like ring. is this like an engagement like, ring? I don't know. I know. I don't know what this ring is, but like, I don't either, obviously, but that ring. one. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, would you like a diamond ring or some rain boots? Oh, yeah, I'm good. A diamond ring. <laughs> All right, let's see. Drum roll, please. Your personality is. Snow White and Rapunzel. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, oh I'm not God. sure I would have picked that for you, but let's see what it says. Let's see. Okay. okay. Let me guess. You're the optimist in your friend group. Oh, that's true. And you get along well with everyone. Okay, that's also very true. However, you're also a very capable person with a wide range of talents and skills, even if others might not see that side of you at first. You're also quite innocent, though you don't want to admit it. <laughs> 
interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. Yeah, we've got a lot going on there. A lot going on. But there's definitely some parts that, you know, you're very optimistic. And you could literally, I think you could make friends with a door post. Like, you could talk to anyone. I don't know where, I don't, what's a door post? The, I don't you know. know the post like, of the door. With, you know. um, yes, you could make friends with anyone. <laughs> you know, the, the post of the, the door. The post of the door, yeah. Um, you definitely have a wide range of talents and skills. So that, I think, you know, all right. Maybe I could see it. I probably would have picked Jasmine, and, I mean, duh. And yeah. maybe, who else would I pick? Maybe, maybe Belle? Because Ooh. you're very, you're very smart and you're very, like, strong-willed. Oh, thank you. I, I don't know. I could see a lot of them, though. Like, I could see a little Moana. I could see a little Ariel. You just, there's a sprinkling. You're just, you're just, just an overall well, Disney princess is what we all found. Around. Oh, my goodness. All right, Courtney, we are so happy to have had you join us today. Will you tell everyone where they can follow you, support you, anything you, you want to plug? Go ahead and shout it out. Oh, my Instagram is at Rhodes. Read R-H-O-D-E-S-R-E-E-D. Even though my friend Frankie Grande was like, you need the Courtney Reed handle. Like, I can't with this Rhodes Reed business. And I'm like, but Courtney Reed has 11 followers and four posts, and she doesn't want to sell her Instagram to me. Uh, I'm dead. You're like, I'll give you money. And she didn't do it. She's like, no. I don't think that anyone even, like, is active on that account. I'm like, I need Courtney Reed. Can yeah. somebody give me Courtney Reed? That's oh my gosh. so funny. You know, that's all right. I do like to sometimes call you Rhodes Reed because, you know, that's... I know. And it was like, my agents call me Rhodes Reed. I'm like, I, it's stuck. It's It's there. a thing now. It's there. So, Can't too, late. It now. too late. I love it. All right. Well, definitely go follow Courtney. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Courtney. Thank this has you. been so much fun. We just it's think you are ladies. the absolute best. And this has been a blast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yay. This Bye. was so fun. Thank you. Yay. Of course. Wow. I what just an angel. I remember I just remember meeting her for the first time and it was like we had met so many times before. And that's just that's, such a hallmark of a good that's angel who Courtney human. Is. Yeah, that's really who she is. She will make every single person in the room feel welcome, feel appreciated. And she's, you know, she's a big deal, especially mm-hmm. in the Broadway world. And I remember first meeting her and she just instantly treated me like I was like we were on the same level you know she just is that kind of person she could talk to anyone she could make anyone feel special and feel appreciated and she just she's one of the kindest people I know and she really has a talent for I think um making people feel welcome and making people feel good when she talks to them i mean she really and that's you know part of being a leading lady right there Mm -hmm. is you know she was princess jasmine so she was kind of leading that show you know along with adam jacobs as aladdin and Mm -hmm. and and others in the show james mariah goldhart um but i think that she's a wonderful leading lady she always would talk to everyone at the show from what i could tell and just was friends with everyone could get along with everyone that's just who courtney is she's just the best she's the best we're so lucky that she agreed to come talk with us Mm -hmm. and i missed her we haven't you know she's not in new york right now so it it just was so good to catch up and and to hear from her so we love courtney she's just the best a leading lady if i've ever known one for sure just well and truly Absolutely. If I, I always wonder how I would answer the questions that we ask on the podcast. And if I were asked who are some leading ladies in my life, Courtney Reed would 100% be on that list. I mean, 
not to be too gushy, but she really kind of changed my life in many ways by welcoming me into the Gagged Chokers family. And she introduced me to so many other people who have have just been so good to me. And I've had so many opportunities because of that and because of them. So I'm just so thankful. And she's also just an amazing person. So I just feel so lucky to be her friend. So anyway, we love Courtney. We love Courtney. So glad that she came. We are also lucky to have our recurring special guest with us today, Shahana Ghosh, for a new segment of Shahana's Soapbox. We didn't that was so close. Same time, but it's okay. Hello, Shahana. Hello. Welcome. Hi. Okay, Shahana, what would you like to talk about this week? My soapbox topic of choice is all the stuff that's been um, going on with Colton and Cassie from The Bachelor. Mm. So um, for those of you who don't know, Colton, I believe his last name is Underwood, um, was on The Bachelor a few seasons ago. And he, his like big thing was um, that the bachelor really sold him on was he's a virgin, he's waiting for marriage and they like made it such a big deal, which is a whole other problematic situation that they focused so heavily com- on that. commodified not- it and made it like very much a yeah, selling like, point. Exactly. And he's a person making his own choice. Like yeah. you don't need to make that such a to do um, but he eventually chose, um, to date one of the women, Cassie Randolph, and they continued dating, um, through part of 2020, I believe, and then broke up. And eventually in later 2020, we found out like the public found out that there were restraining orders against him from Cassie and her family, because there had been some stalking going on that, um, was a hundred percent problematic. Didn't he put like and, a tracker on her car or something? Yeah, that's yeah. Not good. There was there was a tracker on her car. I've read some of the text messages he was sending her. They are very like scary. I would be horrified to like receive that kind of messaging from someone. I had, especially someone you had such a close relationship with. To see them turn like that is scary. So there was a restraining order, which I believe eventually, like the case, they came to an agreement outside of court and it was taken care of. But he this week came out as gay on Good Morning America. And he is now going to have a show on Netflix and all this stuff. And a lot of people are concerned and frustrated that his past problematic behavior seems to be brushed under the carpet. And we're only focusing on his current identity, that he's gay and he had to struggle to get here, which of course should be acknowledged and understood. But there is the fact that he hurt a woman in a very real way Mm -hmm. to the point where she felt unsafe in her home because he was being a stalker which is not okay, of course. And the thing that I really want to touch on is the fact that no identity that you have negates your actions. So you can be a gay man and you can do problematic things that you should be held accountable for. There's also the conversation that he's yet another gay white man 
getting a show when there are so many people part of the community who have not been uplifted, who have who are intersectional and have different stories to tell. And it feels like he we're just getting another version of the story that we've had so many times before. And just his whole situation kind of feels like, okay, that's great that you're gay. We're happy that you're out and proud. I don't think he needs as much media attention as he's getting. It's got to be hard for Cassie, too, to have lived through, you know, like getting a restraining order and like obviously was on The Bachelor. So she was very public facing for a while. And then to have, you know, this the restraining order thing happen and then have it be over, supposedly, and then have it be dug back up again because it's being brought up in like every article that's written about him, as it should be like it should be acknowledged. But it just, I can't imagine that it's easy for her to see that just like in the news cycle again and have to deal with that all over again. Why can't we uplift the voices of women like Cassie who have been put in these positions and talk about safety measures and how she is coping, how her, how, what supports she needed? Like that I think is more important and would be, there are so many women who are in her position they would feel seen. They would have someone in the public media eye to connect with. But instead, they're watching an oppressor get all this limelight. And it's like, God, of course. Of course, women feel like they have no option. Of course, women feel stuck. Yeah. I think Lauren had actually said this earlier this week. She was like, the proposal for this show is just a worse version of Queer Eye. Yes. You took away a lot of the You took all of the good of Queer Eye away, and now we have this show. Yeah. Oof. Not a good look. No, I don't. No. Agreed. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us, Shahana. We always appreciate having you here and having you start these conversations for us and we can't wait to hear what you have for us next week i'm Yay. very excited thank bye you. thank you bye thank you so much for shahana for being here as usual thank you to courtney for joining us make sure you follow courtney at Rhodes read on instagram support her the broadway princess party and Lauren, would you like to tell the people where to find us? Of course. And thank you for listening to us ramble this week. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Leading Lady Club. And you can find us on our website, leadingladyclub.com. We have all of our podcast episodes up there. We also have our podcast episodes on anywhere you can listen to podcasts. So feel free to like and subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, leave us a nice review. Again, we tell love us how much review. you love us. Yeah. We are vain and we do mm-hmm. like being told that we're good. So absolutely feel free. Um, <laughs> and that about does it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, we like we keep saying we have so many great people coming up that we're going to get to talk to. Yeah. So be sure to stay tuned. Just you wait. You don't mm-hmm. even know it's coming for you, everyone. All right, everyone. Have a lovely Monday and we will be right back here next week. Bye. Bye. That's dumb. That's dumb, but this isn't. Yes. And Nikki.
Jake is a very wonderful fellow named Joe Jonas. Applause, applause.